the Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. My brothers and sisters, how do you prefer to learn? Do you like listening to a riveting lecture? Do you prefer to read a book? Do you like watching YouTube tutorials? What's your favorite way to learn? Because there have been some educational studies done and they have determined that if you learn something by lecture, your chances of remembering it are about 5%. If you learn something by reading a book, your chances of remembering it are 10%. If you learn something by watching a video, your chances of remembering it are about 20%. But if somebody shows you, demonstrates to you what they're talking about, brings you into the process, lets you get your hands on it, your chances of remembering it shoot up to 30%. Show me. Don't just tell me, right? We learn best when someone shows us. And this is true not just in the classroom, but in your entire lives, right? Your mom can tell you that she loves you, but if she forgets to pick you up from school, doesn't pack you a lunch, you get home, there's nothing for dinner, and she forgets your name, she might have to work a little harder at showing you, right? Your friend says, keep talking, I'm listening, but you look at them, and they're looking at their phone, and they're laughing at memes. Show me that you're listening with eye contact, with body language. Show me, don't just tell me, right? Jesus is God. The baby born in that manger is God Almighty in the flesh. That's me telling you. And if John wanted to just tell us Jesus is God, that's all he would have had to say, right? He wouldn't have needed to take 14 whole verses at the beginning of his gospel to explain that one fact to us. John, or more likely God through John, doesn't want to just tell us. He knows how our brains work, so he's going to show us. And he's going to show us not just that Jesus is God, but what that truly means for us us. So how does John go about showing us that Jesus is God? Well, he starts with three simple but profound words. In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And John knows who he's writing to. He knows his community. He knows the people that will get their hands on his gospel for the first time. And he knows that the first thing they're going to think of when they see those three words in the beginning are the first three words of the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which starts, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John wants you to think about the creation of the universe. How God displayed his might, his power, his capability that we can't understand, that we can't put into a box, that we can't harness for ourselves. How God created the whole universe using just his word. He wants you to be thinking about that. 
but not just God's power, also his wisdom, the way he fits everything together, and not just God's wisdom, but his love. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, he created earth to be our home. Everything was perfect. Everything was harmonious and wonderful. This is a God of power, of love, and wisdom. So he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Nothing Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word is Jesus. Jesus was with God at the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing has been made that exists now as you see it. But why call him the word? Why not just call him Jesus? John takes a long time in his gospel before he even says the name Jesus, right? He keeps saying the word. What is he trying to show us? Well, the word... A word is communication. With words, you get stuff off of your chest. With words, you take what's in your brain and you try to put it in someone else's brain. With words, you communicate. But nothing is more important or more crucial to your communication than context. The context in which you say whatever you're trying to say matters more really than the words that you use. You know that there are some things that all you need to do is send a text. You don't need to arrange a formal meeting with your wife just to ask what she needs from the grocery store. But you also know at the same time that you probably shouldn't just text your boss if you hate him and you quit your job and you're never coming back. Some things a text is fine. Some things you should probably give someone a phone call. Some things are better said face-to-face, looking someone in the eye. Some things are best said on one knee with a ring in your hand. Context matters. Think about this. You're out on a date with your wife, with your spouse, with your significant other, and you're having a great time. It's a romantic restaurant. You're spending lots of money, appetizers, entrees, drinks, everything, and then the moment just hits you. You look them in the eye and you say, I love you. Now imagine you have sinned against your spouse, your significant other. You have done them wrong. You have done something that has tarnished your relationship with them. You come clean, you confess, and you say it all to them. And after talking about it for a while, after tears, after a lot of hard conversation, they look at you and they say, I love you. Means a lot more in that context, doesn't it? when you don't see it coming. What is the context in which this word of God was spoken? Don't miss it. John says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is the context in which Jesus came. The very people God created to love, to live in harmonious relationship with him, don't recognize him. How sad. How tragic. Because remember, since Jesus is God, he was there at creation. 
He was there when the human race began. He was there when everything was good, when everything was perfect, when we were enjoying life on the earth. But he was also there when we fell, when humankind accepted or chose sin rather than God. He was there for that heartbreak. And he was there to watch the history play out of people sinning against God over and over, drifting further from him, rejecting him over and over again. That's the context, the context of darkness. And darkness does not understand light. That's why it runs away whenever a light is turned on. Brothers and sisters, John is showing us that was us. We were the darkness. We were unable to even recognize Jesus. There was, ever since we fell into sin, there's this line in the sand that cannot be crossed between us and God. No longer are we friends of God, but we are enemies of God. We are opponents of God. There is friction. There is conflict. That's the context. So then what does this word being spoken in that context communicate? It communicates love. Jesus could grab you by the ears or the lapels and shake you and say, can't you see? I love you. I love you so much. But he doesn't just tell you. He shows you. How does he show you? By crossing that line. By setting aside his glory, his majesty, his might for a time and being born a human baby. The word of God communicating to us in an unmistakable way that God loves you. Loves you so much that he's going to cross the line for you. He's going to do everything that it takes to make you one with him again. To remove the opposition, to remove the conflict, to remove your sin, to remove your darkness. See, Jesus has done a lot more by being born as our Savior than just getting God off our back. Two nations that agree to a ceasefire don't automatically become allies. Two people who have wronged each other but who forgive each other don't automatically become best friends. But God not only has removed your sin through the work of Jesus Christ, he has given you back your relationship with him. That's why John said that we are, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Christmas is about a birth. Duh. It's about Christ's birth, right? Not just Christ's birth. Christmas is about your rebirth. Later on in John's gospel, Jesus will get the opportunity in speaking to a man named Nicodemus to explain that no one enters the kingdom of God unless they are born again of the Spirit. That's what Jesus came to do, to give you the right, to give you the ability to become a child of God. Because we didn't understand him. 
we didn't recognize it, him. There was a great chasm for us to cross to ever hope to become one with God again, but Jesus bridges that gap and makes us reborn in the Spirit through faith. Just like a baby in the womb comes out and has all this new reality to deal with, light and understanding, that's you. You are born out of your darkness into light. You are born out of your death into life. You are born out of your sin into grace through the work and redemption of Jesus Christ. God could tell you that he loves you. He could tell you that he wants you as his child, but look at how he shows you. Look at what he has done for you so that it is unmistakable where you stand with God, a forgiven and saved child of God. And look at what he continues to do for you. He gives you his word. If all God needed to do was tell us, hey, I love you, I forgive you, you're going to heaven, the Bible would be so much shorter, right? But instead, we have 66 books detailing the history of God with his people, telling us about God, showing us how God loves a people who don't deserve it. How God gave you your baptism. He could just zap you and say, you're a, child of, you're a child of mine now, but he gave you this unmistakable way to remember the moment that God brought you into his family through water and the word, through the spirit. And in a couple minutes, he's going to give you communion to strengthen your communion with him and with each other. God will tell us that he loves us. He does that in scripture, but look at all the ways that he shows us shows us his glory, shows us his grace and his truth. And we could just tell you what grace means. We could just tell you that grace is God's undeserved love, his favor for sinners like me and like you. But hasn't God shown you his grace by sending you a savior that you don't deserve to save you from the sins that are your fault that you committed, but to give you eternal life as a free gift? That's what grace is. We could tell you what God's truth is, and we are in the habit of doing that, but can't you see how God is a man, is a God of his word, who has kept every one of his promises, who throughout thousands and thousands of years hung on to the promise to send a savior to save mankind from their sins? And doesn't that show you that you can hold God to every one of his other promises to you, to be there for you, to provide for you, to protect you, and to be your God? He has shown you his grace and his truth. That's what Christmas truly is about, brothers and sisters. Christmas is about a birth. Yes, the birth of your Jesus, of your Christ, of your Messiah. But it's just as much about your rebirth. So welcome to the family. Merry Christmas and happy birthday. Amen.